0: One lad never even known what Locations was. He didn't apply for Locations because he didn't know what it was.
1: You'd need a team with specific people with specific skills. The first money
2: could be from any creative thinker. I'm looking forward to getting back in the room with people. In the Room 52 Jokers
3: Wild. Hi everybody and welcome to In the Room. This week, we are revisiting some of our interviews with Carl King, Jonathan Brownlee, Donna Phillips and Siraj Sadie, who all talk about their experiences in the film industry over the last few years. Welcome to the show, Carl. We're fascinated uh, because you've managed to come over in the last couple of years and establish yourself in the film industry and start to make your own little waves as part of the film industry yeah we've been talking to a number of producers about how they get on and start to produce films and things what's your experience so far of what's happening in Ireland
0: um Ireland is is a I mean it's a place full of amazing locations and amazing places we just spent the last five weeks running around just Kerry on its own and found the most amazing places um on this film that I've been working on called Joyride um but Ireland as a uh, an entity in the film world we're Understudied, understaffed. Um, trying to get crew over here is an impossibility. Trying to get places, studios to film over here is a possibility But we've got we've got all the resources, and it's going to take a bit of time to get the crew up. But it's it's the writing's on the wall. The writing is so on the wall about um, Ireland being the go-to destination for the Americans that don't want to shoot in the UK. Um, and 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 generally, and any film that doesn't want to shoot in the UK, um, due to better tax breaks, well, similar tax breaks if not better tax breaks, um, especially down here in the regions as well. Um, so it's it's an amazing, it's it's a it's a it's a pot that's ready to be mixed, but it's not fully mixed. There we've we've got all the ingredients, but we don't have the stew at the moment. In the sense of here with crew, is that there's not enough crew members. That there's 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 film schools, if you will. Um, They're producing directors, producers, and everything else. But there's no below the line crew. Um, trying to find people that I mean, we 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 had to. We're working at the moment. We're in Kerry College, and uh, which is where I am at the moment. We've just wrapped, um, and we had a load of interns. Um, on us every single one of them wants to be in camera or uh, assistant directors none not a single person applied to be on um, as an intern for the locations department or the props department Um, so it's a department which no one really knows anything about um, which means that unless you find yourself in and what happened for us I ended up working with a um, a guy called Will, who's from, I had to bring them down from Dublin. I had to bring another one down from Galway, um, called Christie. And then I had two trainees uh, that are part of the trainee scheme. One that we stole from production uh, and one that actually wanted to work in it, but had only worked in Canada. So, you know, if you take that, not a single one of us has ever worked in Kerry. I came on board in this, or, or in the Southwest. Um I came onto this job as well as an Englishman that's never filmed in Ireland, full stop. Never filmed in Kerry. Um, I just happened to live here. uh, Married a a Kerry girl. So, you know, so that was it. So we had an an English guy that hadn't filmed in Ireland, full stop. An Australian that hadn't filmed in Kerry. A Galway lad that hadn't filmed down here either. And two trainees that one had filmed in Canada and one that had never been on a film set in their life. And that was was our team. Uh, We smashed it. The hilarity is that we've ended up with English Oscar-winning Olivia Colman as our lead star. A guy, a kid that was from Kildare. There's like, if you think about it, there's no even the main cast. There's nothing that's down here. There's no film school for location managers. There's nothing like that. People don't know. They really don't know as to what the what's available and what's really out there. Like the guys that we um, that we ended up with on this they would never be the one lad never even known what locations was. He didn't apply for locations because he didn't know what it was. He just found himself in this department and now wants to work in it, it you know, for the rest of his life. It's also that he realized that you get well paid to doing a fun job. You're out every day doing different things. And and I am I I've not denied I'm incredibly well paid for what I do. Um and I'm very lucky for that. But um, you know, there's not many 34-year-olds earning what I earn, uh making films. And doing what i'm doing but the thing is is that no one really knows about it, it they, you know i'm looking, we're looking at doing other training courses and things to try and get more people interested but when you go to college I, I went to a media college a very long time ago and all we learned is camera editing and directing and that was it really there was nothing about what an assistant director does what a props does man a uh, uh, storeman does what a and these are all high paid jobs you know what a spark in the job what you know you might get a gaffer occasionally but what just a normal spark does what a jenny op does you know you they're not really there that you're not really taught them um and they're huge parts of the industry you know what what a props ma- uh a dressing props guy does no one really knows until you do it um and they're all really well-paid jobs and that's what we're missing in the industry is, those middle ground people. See, I came into this industry not ever, I'm not a creative in that sense. I've I've dabbled in in making bits and short films and things back in the day when I was young and stupid, but um, I was never the one, you know, this is a job. This is, I'm not a film fan. I couldn't care less. I've hardly seen, I've seen the first three Star Wars and not the rest. I worked in the industry. It was great because I was earning money, I couldn't care less. I'm a theater kid at heart. That's, you know, that's where my real passion is. Motorsport and, and, um, F1 and, and theater. And that's where I'd spend all my money, you know, um, I'm making theater and watching motorsport, but the, I, I see this as very much a job. It is a job. I get paid to come into work. I get paid to, to deal with the crap, but that if you have a, that's why a lot of locations aren't mad, theatre buffs, especially in our department, because we're the department that deals with the real-life world and the creative world. And we're the only department that ever deals with real life. Um, Everyone else deals with their own little creative industries. This, I mean, this production, if we're talking money, this production was a £4 million production. It's not a huge amount of money in in the film world. Um, But a lot of that money... I mean, we we did the math of it. Uh, you know, think of half the crew, If over half the crew was in hotels. We ate out every night. We um, supplied loads of food. You know, that, that that's not even the tourism. That's just our crew, you know, of, you know, eating out. Um, we were lucky, lucky with COVID um, in the sense of hotels were slightly empty when we started this. So we managed to get good deals. Um, the film office down here are absolutely phenomenal. I managed to get us great deals and bits and pieces with it. Um, But like the money that we put in, you know, into locations, into, into local economy. I mean, my, my budget was a couple of hundred grand um, that, you know, locations budget went in, you know, 70% of that went into local um, investment, local produce and local location everyone was paid the hours they worked that was that was a as per the contracts this is a proper production company they're well known so everything was above board and that's but that but that that creates its own problems bearing in mind that yes we're all getting paid our overtime great but that means that creativity is lacking we ha- we can't have that crane in today because we're having to pay for extra security it really is you know that's how it works we were really lucky with Ema, our director on this job, um, because she was phenomenal and she she would she would she wouldn't compromise in a sense, but she would change her ideas, if that makes more sense. like if there was bits that didn't work or we just couldn't make it work for something, she'd go, okay, well, let's try this way. I don't think she lost anything. She was very strong on on this job that Kerry gets seen as because the film is based in Kerry. It's very much about Kerry. And she didn't want to just do a typical a low loader of shots of looking straight on. That it's not just about the cast in this one. It, the the Kerry is the fourth main character. No, there there's two sides to the film industry. There's the creative, winning awards, getting the directors, writers, producers, getting the awards, and then there's the business side. Screen Island is very much on the creative arty farty side. They did invest in this show. I know they did. They they're one of the supporters of the film. Um. So, you know, Richard the Artifati creative thing and they're trying to push the regions. And, you know, it was great to work on the regions out here. I mean, what they gained, they probably lost, what well, they lost in the games in working out here because of having to bring crew down. So all that extra tax break money that they had ended up in hotels and everything else. But the film was created for Kerry and the director was very strong about that. And we were lucky to have such a director and a writer. A Writer was a, a truly native. And the director was really strong about coming down to Kerry and making this in Kerry, as opposed to running around the Wicklow Mountains, which every production's done for the last five, 10 years. Anyone that wants to make a film, go and be an extra. Go and be on set. Just find a way. Be a runner. Find a way. There's lots of jobs. There's lots of places to go and find them. Go like even if it's working on someone else's film. You, you know you start making your way up and that's the important thing be but get paid for it that's the other thing think of it as a job until you get to the creative heights think of it as a job if you're not getting paid for it it's not worth doing believe me being there done that
3: and in the room this week we have jonathan brownley who is a an award-winning writer director producer you were talking a short time ago about the fact that uh, your accent sometimes comes from a certain part of Canada, uh, which kind of connects us all here.
2: No, it's true. It, it, we were just saying, uh, saying, you know, you're having a pint next to the guy on you. And when I go out to the Maritimes in Canada, I mean, my, my, my stepfather's family's from Prince Edward Island, which is near Newfoundland and Labrador. And, and I get out there and it's like, right, boy, how's it going? Fill your boots and stuff, right? And then I'm like, what am I? T- what happened here? Oh, it's a couple of beers in, but you know, it's a big Irish influence in that, in that part of the world, in the Maritimes. And I mean, Ireland has made incredible strides in the film industry uh, in the last 20 years, you know, not, not the least of which is the tax incentives.
3: And what the Irish industry wants to do is, it has like, it's creating talent and it wants to attract talent and it wants to attract the stories to Ireland, but we also feel a big, massive pain in it because two years ago, when we sort of entered where we're going, we yeah. it's the exit of the investor from indie production because things are getting harder all the time. I call that kind
2: of no man's land, right? Because you've got the really big players who are, you know, in the hundred million dollar range and they're coming in and they're like not just running one soundstage for three months anymore, they're running the entire facility for 10 years. It also gets their stuff done, but it also pushes everyone else out of the market. You know, but then you've got these, you know, middle budgets, you know, five million to twenty-five million. You know, it's a very difficult space to play in stuff under 3 million under a million the really small small or micro indies is still getting made around the planet and that's kind of how people are being creative to get their stories told but the stuff in the middle market is is really difficult you know it's tough i have to write for a living but i'm i'm never good at just like hey from 9 to 10 i'm writing it never works that way for me right it's like it's, you know there'll be weeks i'm like shit i got i got nothing right like there's nothing going on in the back of the day. I was going to dig, dig 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 I got nothing. And then all of a sudden bam it's like a rocket ship and then you know I'll be like in 2 weeks you know I'll I'll you know put together a draft or just there's just some you know it comes in spurts and dribbles for me but you know you've got to let yourself also know how you work right? Like a lot of people you know they they're good doing you know an hour a day or they're very disciplined I'm like that is just not me right? You know and even if I'm not making a film or writing a film or you know, posting a film or developing a film or, you know, whatever, I, I love to build. So I'm building a shed or like I built, a, I built, a, we redid our entire backyard. We built a swimming pool and I designed the swimming pool and I, I did it the way I wanted to do it. You know, I had my own home renovation television series years ago. So I always, I always bought houses and flipped houses and then I made a TV show. out of it. But it was, it was back in a time when I was commuting between Los Angeles and, and Vancouver, Canada, and I was up in Vancouver, and they had just created this thing called HD, high definition, and it was coming. but nobody could afford to shoot on it, right, because it was like a half a million dollar camera, and you had to have prime lenses, and, and so we did this deal with Sony, and they gave us all the gear, so we were the first TV show in Canada to actually shoot in high definition, you know, now you can shoot 4k on your phone, you know, but it was back, back in the day, so, you know, we had probably the best looking home renovation show on the planet, and then that's actually how I ended up in you know, in Ireland and, and places like that is once we had that successful show and we were shooting in HD, you know, places like the Golf Channel and other places like, hey, why don't you make a golf channel in high definition? We'd, we'd love that. So, you know, sometimes it's just like, you know, your business brand and your creative brand. And I'm like, I love doing houses. And so it all, you know, some of that stuff all, all comes together. And that and, uh, also gets you out of your you know, your regular track too, right? I'm not making a film, I'm building a shed or I'm making a pool or whatever it is. And that, you know, I think I think you keep the wheels turning on other things Then that does kind of reinvigorate, re-energizes you when you come back to sort of your vocation, right? You know, my COVID-19 is right around my waist right now. I have a 23-year-old son and we have a seven-year-old daughter. We've all been living in the same house, you know, for over a year. And, you know, my daughter thinks it's, you know, summer camp. So it's been great, you know, she's their her parents around the whole time because I usually had to travel a bunch you know, go shooting all over the world and whatever else you're doing or, you know, my wife calls it, she becomes a film widow, you know, when I'm making a film because I'm just not only, even if I'm here, I'm not, my brain is always, you know, off making the film or you're in, you know, 16 hour days. So it was really interesting, especially I think the first three or four months, we just didn't do anything. Right, it was like the first time in you know in my life that I hadn't just really, which is why I started building sheds. I'm like I got to do something, but it was really nice just to kind of not do a lot and not fill your brain with with unnecessary things and just be kind of present. And I think I think that was a a huge, interesting a reset. Um, and at the same time, when I was doing that, just people were throwing projects at me. It was one of the most prolific writing years of my life even though I said look guys I'm not going to go out and shoot this film they're like no, no 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 just 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 write it for us you can direct it in a couple of years so when sometimes when you just kind of pause and say no it's interesting what happens then you can really pick and choose and cherry pick what you want to do that then fits into that sort of new that new direction of of how you're living your life and I think that's been a really interesting part you know part of this for me anyway uh, you know it's interesting you know we're we're on this platform zoom Right, you know, and, you know, you, this was kind of a, a new thing that this was kind of our forced point of communication in a lot of ways for, for part, especially the beginning of the pandemic. But I think one of the things, you know, we as human beings tend to find the good out of the bad. And so I think a lot of people started reconnecting with people, you know, old college chums or family they hadn't seen, you know, in a group, which this, this great piece of technology gave everyone a chance to sort of be in a room you know, in the room together. Uh, it, and it's kind of these, as you start to think about these things and moving forward, um, we have this tool, but it'll be, it will be interesting. I'm looking forward to get back, getting back in the room with people having a pint. And as, as wonderful as the technology piece is, there's really nothing that's better than actually connecting with people in the same room, you know, sharing ideas, you know, over a pint, um, you know, and, and people from different and diverse backgrounds. So I hope that as we come out of, you know, this pandemic, that more people will take the time to your point of, hey, I'm not going to work today. I haven't seen my buddy in, you know, a year. Let's just go spend the day together, right? Like go, go spend some time with, with the people that you really want to reconnect with. And so that's what I say. I would, I'd hope people
3: watching the podcast really just take the opportunity to do that. Our next guest is Donna Phillips, Who set up the International Film Producers Network to guide people into the industry
1: yeah I mean you know there's so much going on first of all there's always room at the top for more people (laughs) and and luckily I'm well I'm Welsh but I'm also English and Irish so you know I can invite in many different cultures and probably where my networking skills come from as well Um, but yes you know dipping my toes in and out of many different industries Um, I work for a place in the sun Um, I run the international film producers network group yeah there's always something going on really i'm always busy which is good from the beginning it's why the group was set up you know my father was a brilliant artist but he found it hard to do the promotional side or the marketing so you know i started doing that for him i worked with friends you know on a couple of of short films and it was always about people finding the right people and nobody knowing where to start um obviously we spoke about it last week one of the main things that everybody's after is investment not knowing where to start or where to go i mean it's good that you know what i have noticed obviously over you know especially the sort of past like five years or so i would say is that there's a lot more opportunities a lot more courses um a lot more you know People giving, um, you know, online sort of tutorials, uh, you know, being able, I mean, obviously lockdown stopped it, but physically being able to go and join in with a group, um, you know, whether it be acting or, you know, photography, video skills and things like that. So over time, I mean, the younger people are the ones who've got the most confidence or the most opportunities, I would say. So maybe that puts some of the older people off of whether, you know, they would sort of go down these routes. And because there are so many options, it's knowing who are the best ones, you know, because people don't want to waste their time and they want to bring their projects, you know, which mean the world to them to fruition. So it's about finding the right network of people, not just anybody that's, you know, in the group or offering these packages, I suppose. You need a good team, really, you know, it's like, I believe in, you know, if you work on a film project or, you know, anything really, right? you can put it to any sort of industry or project, but you would need a team with specific people with specific skills. Some of you can multitask on some things, but you do need, you know, an understanding whether it's sort of the business side, the creative side, you know, run into a plan, somebody, you know, who's quite disciplined in timing. Um, You know, it takes a a good bunch of people to be able to make a project work. The main one is that they're all looking for work. A few of them will ask sort of questions, but a lot of the time the answer is within themselves. And, you know, it could be simple, something simple, whereas you would just say to them, you know, pick out a hundred companies and send your email. For some reasons, not and not everybody thinks of these things, you know, offhand. So, um, I mean, with with the group, you know, there's there's lots of different content in there nowadays, and it's grown obviously since lockdown. Um, you know, during lockdown, there was people posting just every single day because they were at home, they couldn't work, and uh, so it's sort of like uh, you know, like most industry industries and, you know, graphics or whatever for companies, it peaked at a certain point. um And then obviously as, you know, lockdowns started sort of calming down a bit and people are back out and about and could film again, then obviously it, it sort of quietened down. um it, You know, I'm well, and for, you know, I had to throw myself back into full-time work as well. So, you know, it is self-running, like I say, um, but it would be nice to be able to pin, pinpoint um, and offer opportunities for people in there as much as I could. I'm a big believer in, in change and, and just taking chances, I think. You know, I've always thrown myself into opportunities you know it's taken me to some amazing places I've met amazing people I've been lucky enough to work for amazing companies and on projects you know and that's through, throughout my life really and I know it's not as easy for everybody um, you know to take chances because they do worry about you know being able to pay bills and things like that but if I can sort of like just give some of that away that will help other people, you know, just to kind of like give them that little bit of confidence, you know, that. then that would be the aim of the game for me, really, I think. It's, it's being able to share my passion to help others. The fear of being rejected or not being good enough, uh, you know, where you've got imposter sort of syndrome. You're like, how did I get you? How did I, I do this? Uh, you know, because everybody has it now and again. But just keep working a, a little bit on something every day, I think, Um you know, there's plenty of meditations on YouTube. Um, Sync Tuition was a really good one for me, which I used during lockdown. I've been listening to meditations for years, but I think sometimes my ideas were getting drowned out because I was in the wrong place at the wrong time. Sometimes, you know, around nice people, but just people who didn't really understand me or what I was trying to achieve, really. It's about balance, really, um, like taking that time to actually figure out who you are, what your skill set is and and making that plan where you can actually, you know, spend that quality time, even if it's just for, you know, an hour every two or three days to start with, you know, just start somewhere, you know, it takes nothing to do a 10-minute meditation in the morning when you wake up, you know, not not that that's really anything to do with the film, but that's what i found as, you know, has helped, helped me, um, it's just taking that time out to to refocus, so you might, because well, I'm somebody whose mind's all over the place, so I'm always thinking about different things, uh, so it's just being able to hone in on which ones you should start with, um, and reaching out to people, reach out to people, it doesn't matter how many no's you get, you know, like the sales technique, you 100 no's, you might get you know, one yes at the end of that, and that might be the one. So, um, you know, it's about putting yourself out there, really.
3: And our special guest is Siraj who is who runs the Indian Film Festival of Ireland, which is really quite exciting. But I know he's also been involved with a number of film productions that he's setting up himself, and he's also acted in quite a few sort of films. We're very much focused on the idea that this is a job, we're, we're, we're jobbing people. We want to work in the industry and earn a living and earn a, a, a good wage for what we're doing and building up the connections. Part of the discussion is to, is to get your views on the experience that you've had in the film industry in Ireland and also connect us to
4: India as well. Thank you very much for having me. Um, and it was always good to connect with you. Um, just to let you know, I've just been off to, uh, from a mega, mega budget picture called Disenchanted. Which was a Disney production shot in that Dublin, so I was acting in it. So with Patrick Dempsey, I've got a little part, a very not a huge part, but uh, a significant enough to call myself in the movie. It was the first Hollywood film that I've done, uh, and I was treated like a king. I mean, I had my own trailer, I had my own, you know. Usually they spoiled me like anything. It was it. Nine, eight, eight, I think it's a ten million or twenty million dollar film. I don't know. Eighteen million. Somebody said eighteen million dollars. Just to go back into my my madness of my work world. Yes, annual production of uh, the film festival that is happening in Dublin for the last twelve years. Last year I had a virtual one, and this year again I'm having a virtual one. So the website is there: www.indianfilmfestivalofireland.ie. Uh, and in the past, we have invited a huge amount of people all the way from the Indian film industry, directors, stars, writers, uh, all sorts of people, you know. Um, uh, and it's a four day long weekend kind of festival, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Mon- uh, Monday, it closes on Monday. So it had been a success uh, story, let's put it this way. It sustained me for a while, although it's non-commercial, uh, it's not making a mega, mega box, but uh, it's uh, there uh, as a film festival because I started as a frustrated person because Dublin Film Festival would not take any Indian films uh, and categorize uh, them that, look, uh, I mean, I had a dis- kind of uh, discourse with the director who was American-driven, Hollywood-driven and inviting all the American stars. And I said, look, you t- you're calling it an international Dublin International Film Festival, but, but you're not including uh, you know, the significant industry. And I'm not talking about Bollywood here. My films that I'm interested in are meaningful cinema, parallel cinema, new wave cinema, cinema that has been winning hearts in Berlin and Toronto and everywhere else in the world. Those are the p- films with gravity stories that have meaningful cinema. That is what my films are all about, that the film that I would like to screen here. And I would like, so by token, she has in, took one or two films, but then again, it wasn't, uh, a, a, you know, a, a big enough presence for me to make a sense. So I said, to hell with it, I'm gonna make my own film festival. And that's how it started. <laughs> You'll see on the website, I said all along in the last 12 years, the purpose of the festival is twofold. One, A, to promote Ireland as a location for our producers and directors to come over to shoot films. And we managed to get two films in the past 12 years, big budget pictures who came over here. And then secondly, to make our own films, my stories that I'm trying to make uh, with the local talent, with the local crew uh, and mix and match with the director's staffs, the creative crew back in India and do it as a kind of like hybrid bridge films that has been very successful in the UK. Baji on the beach, you know my beautiful laundrette. I mean, I'm in the in the business, so I know inside out how this financial jigsaw get together. But the other producers, when I talk to the friends, old friends, uh, guys up in uh, Ardmore, uh, James Flynn, you know Morgan Sullivan, all of them, they know me, my work. They are driven by the American productions. They bring the what I call it a a cooked cake from America, uh, wash it through the sa- Section 481 machine and come out with the 15% or 20% in their pocket and rest goes into the production. So it's a resi- it's a recycling thing because we have a sitting 15 million mega budget kind of ceiling is sitting there. But the condition is that it has to be pre-sold. It has to have distribution attached. It has... Have- in other words, the investors want uh, to only go in as a last in, first out. Last in, first out is a difficult thing for a new producer. The soft money is the film screen, Irish screen money, uh, which is about 10% to 12%. And then you have BAI money. BAI money could be up to about 600000 800000 about a million. Uh, and then you top up with the Section 481 money, which is about net 32% now, I've been told. So, 30, you're trying to get 32, 12%, and then you come up with all up to about 70, 80%. And then you go to the financial institution and say, look, guys, can you cash flow it? I have 80% guaranteed here. So, there is a way of skinning the cat. I mean, a lot of people are doing it many different ways. Yeah. So, so look at the, look at the in income aspect of that. If you don't have a pre sale, at least if you are banking on the cinema aspect of the pr- project, then you have a 32 county basis. So so, so you've got to identify where are the sources of income is. Once you made the movie, you spend a couple of million, say for instance, uh, as a modest budget, two and a half million quid, you spend it on the production, you pay the stars, you pay the, the crew and everything. Now, what is the first payment will come from? From where? And before you start shooting, uh, actually the security from the state broadcaster will give you a guarantee that two years down the line or a year down the line, I will broadcast it. And there's a three-picture deal or four-picture deal uh, or TE, uh, Virgin Media, whatever. So the first check will come from the local broadcaster. Then before that, I mean, uh, I mean, I'm dealing with the cinemas now because of the film festival. I'm dealing with the Dundrum Cinema, the owner of the Dundrum Cinema, Graham Sperling, uh, 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 and the likes of Omniplex guys uh, all over the place. I have dealt with it. the box office language, if you see the, the calculation from the box office is another check that you're going to get into your account. When the movie is in the cinema, punters comes in, you hype up hundred thousand on marketing and, uh, and and PR exercise. You, you know, you bought the billboard and everything, and then attracted the punters into the cinema. For the producers, uh, producers are allowed to keep their home territory, as they call it. The home territory is Ireland and the UK, both we consider it as a home territory. Now, in the Brexit terms, I don't know how it would pan out because I'm talking about pre-Brexit language now, that home territory used to be UK and Ireland. That is a producer's territory before you go to Europe, before you go to North America, before you go to Australia and Asia, Middle East, if you open the fest, film in Dubai Film Festival and a buyer comes in, you invite the buyer from Mumbai, fly them in, put them in a hotel and say, look guys, there's my movie in Dubai Film Festival and the deals are done there. So that's another Asian market. So, that, so you divide the globe in that section. So you go. what you do is you in the budget, you do the way Hollywood does that. You have, say for instance, 1.8 million the actual production cost. And you you budget it 2.5, so you're actually budgeting it for that marketing, sales. Or there's no guarantee. So so so. And for that, you, you get your likes of the OTT platform, the uh, Amazon, the Netflix are the new language. They are buying it. They, they knew. I mean, I'm watching every night a single film coming out from my industry, uh, and then every night they're uploaded four or five films. So they have a streamline now, they are financing it before or during the production. So while you're in the production, you send the rushes, you send the stuff, and say, look guys, this is in the making, it will be ready. The answer print will be ready by X number uh, date. Uh, what is signing the dot, dot, uh, signing on the dotted line and give us a, some sort of a guarantee that you're buying it for X amount. I suppose what is happening now in the post pandemic two years cinemas are shut down and there were no films nobody was going in to buy the film to to, uh, to buy the ticket so obviously cinema has hit it badly big time big time so now everything is online i'm not paying rent to the cinema to hire the cinema to show my films what i'm saying is the cinemas used to hire uh, to to uh, to get the money from the producers to show the films. they said okay pay me the rent of the of the uh, five shows or 10 shows, whatever you want. It's a 14-show deal. Will you pay me the minimum guarantee, MGs, of that thing? And if, if over and above, the punters will pay, will, will, will split it 70, 30, 60, 40, or whatever. But I want my wages for the staff, for the front staff, the electricity, the projectionist, all of that. It's your film. You covered that. So all of that needs to be taken into an account when you're releasing in the cinema. So life is a little bit better in the sense that you're releasing on the home computers on high phone, on the home technology. People are watching short films now being made more because 20 minutes, half an hour film is easy to watch, consumable than to film uh, is a two hour film. But people who are in the movie and they really want to watch a good film, they will sit on the computer they will sit a home computer, home 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 studios. People have made home cinemas with larger screen and all that, and so therefore they're watching on 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 digitally, and so therefore, who is projecting digitally? Who's releasing it? So you could release yourself on or on your own YouTube channel. Now your YouTube channel can attract the commercial money, the advertising money. How the distributors are being eliminated from the process is because the producers have becoming more proactive on the digital platform. Okay, oh, yeah, yeah. I'll give you the example how Noel Pearson got for my left foot the first check. He went around the same thing. Jim Sheridan never directed the picture before. And that's all the factors kicks in there. You have to have a name director. And uh, Jim Sheridan was a theater director working in New York. He never had an experience of nobody will put money into him. So what Noel Pearson did? Noel Pearson went to Association of Wheelchair Association of Ireland, and he got first two hundred thousand from Wheelchair Association. It's a it's a movie about a crippled guy on a wheelchair, and two hundred thousand he returned it back, four hundred thousand, and bought more wheelchairs from the profit of the film when when it won the eleven Oscars. So the first money could be from any creative thinker. Thanks
3: for watching. Hope you enjoyed the show and found the insights of each of these interviewees useful for your future projects. Bye for now. Hope you enjoyed this video. Please
4: subscribe and click on the bell for notifications.